today I'd like to take you back in time to the time of Jesus' ministry and hear a message from the perspective of a man whose life was radically changed by one encounter with Jesus. One more night. Just give me one more night and tomorrow I'll deal with it. I promised myself. But I needed one more night. And it was such a great evening. I spent the evening with my wife and my kids. My wife made a nice dinner for our family. and I played with my children all evening. The time flew by. And when their mom said it was time to put them to bed, I said, oh, honey, can't you just give me a few more minutes? Honey, just give me a few more minutes. We're having so much fun. Well, that night I tucked them into their bed. And as I tucked them into their bed, whenever I held them, when I hugged them, I hugged them a little bit harder than usual. I didn't know if they knew how much I cared about them. I hugged them, I put the covers around them, and then I went and laid down beside my wife. Now, she thought it was odd that I wanted to talk so much. Usually when my head hits the pillow, I begin snoring, or so she says. But that night was different. I couldn't stop telling her how much I love her and and how much she meant to me. But she was so tired from the day's work that she just kept falling asleep. I laid there for hours, unable to sleep, just holding her close, and tears began to run down my face. Finally, about an hour before dawn, I got up, and I walked into my kids' room, and I crouched down in the corner, and I just watched them sleep. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just gone into your kids' room and sit there and listen to them grieve? I knew that in an hour, I was going to be going and speaking to the priest. But I wanted to watch them just for a few more minutes. I honestly didn't know that it was possible to love someone as much as I love them. But did they really know it? You see, most of my time I was busy. It's, It's hard just trying to put food on a table and the roof over your family's head. Wouldn't you agree? All kinds of thoughts kept racing through my mind. It started as a blemish on my skin that would not heal. And before long, it began to spread. I hadn't given it much thought at first, but lately these feelings of dread just began to make me sick on my stomach. I didn't say anything to my wife because I didn't want her to worry. But I knew it was spreading. And it wasn't right not to say something. As hard as I tried that night, I couldn't stop crying. Not really for me, but for them. You see, in an hour when I leave the house, I'm going to go and see the priest. And if what I think is true, their lives will never be the same again. The simple things like holding my son will be off limits to me. I didn't want to subject my wife and my children to the prejudice and scorn of this awful disease. Our family faced enough prejudice. You see, we're Samaritans. They consider us half-breeds. As much as I hated to admit it, maybe their lives would be better without me. I decided that if it was true, I would just disappear. 
I would move away somewhere so that my family did not have to have this awful stigma attached to them. And so that they didn't have to watch what this awful disease would do to me. You see, I wasn't alone. Scenarios like mine played out again and again all across Israel. Well, I ended up living outside of a town in the region bordering Samaria and Galilee with nine other guys who were stricken with this same disease. And we heard about this man named Jesus who was traveling throughout the area and he was healing the sick and he was delivering people from demons. He even raised some people from the dead. I said, if Jesus ever comes on my way, I'm going to run up to him and I'm going to say, hey, Jesus, can you help me out? Jesus, could you heal me? Could you do something for me? I mean, what did I have to lose? What did I have to lose? I know what the end's going to be if this disease continues. One day, as Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem, he was about to enter into our town when the news that he was coming came our way. And in the distance, we saw him. Him and his disciples. And there was a crowd of people who were following after him. And I began to yell out his name. Jesus! Jesus! Have mercy on me! We didn't dare to go close. But we stayed at a distance because of our condition. We weren't allowed to go close to him. You see, we were outcast. It really doesn't matter what we used to be. We're all in the same boat. Our lives changed the day that we found out that we had leprosy. Rich, poor, educated, uneducated, Jew, Samaritan, we're all in the same boat now. We're lepers. In my day, no leper could even live inside of a walled town. Wherever I was, I was required to have my outer garment torn as a sign of deep grief, to shave my head and to cover my beard with my mantle as if in mourning for my own death. And I had to warn those who passed by by yelling out, unclean, unclean. This disease had devastating effects on my friends and I and anyone else it affected. It separated us from our families. We were quarantined from the rest of society. Simple things like giving a greeting within my culture involves embraces were off limits to me. As was participation in temple worship as the Jews knew it. In fact, many of the Jewish teachers said that we must have done something horrible that our parents or our grandparents must have done something horrible, why else would God be inflicting us with such a horrible disease? What sin had my father done? What sin had my grandfather done that I was stricken with this awful punishment from God? When Jesus saw us, 
He didn't ignore us like so many others did. When Jesus heard me yelling, when he heard my friends calling out to them, do you know what he did? He stopped what he was doing and he walked right over to us. I'm yelling out, unclean, unclean, and it didn't stop him. And you know what he did? He stopped and he looked me right in the eye. Do you know how long it's been since someone looked me in the eye? Oh, I understand. I understand because before I was stricken with this deadly disease, I didn't want to see the ugly horror of it either. Whenever people like me would come around, I would act like I didn't hear them or that I didn't see them or I didn't notice. And if I was forced to talk to him, I would always turn my eyes away. I didn't want to see the sores. I didn't want to see the fingers that were falling off and the hands that were rotting off. I didn't want to smell. I understand. But Jesus looked right in my eyes. He turned his attention to me. Now Jesus told us this. Jesus said, I want you guys to go and show yourself to the priest. You see, it was the priest who would examine us and either declare us clean or unclean. It was the priest who we walked to that day and he was the one who identified the disease that I had. It's the most amazing thing I've ever experienced in my life. As we began to start walking, I couldn't believe it. The further I walked, and the more I walked, the clearer my skin became. And it wasn't just me. I looked at my friend Isaac, and his skin was getting clean as well. I couldn't believe it. His skin was beginning to be restored. The more we walked, the more we became clean, the more we were healed. Not just my skin, but the nine other guys who were with me. I was cleansed. We were all healed that day. We responded to Jesus' command with obedience. He told us to go and show ourselves to the priest, and we obeyed. Do you know what I noticed? We were not healed while we were standing and thinking about going. We were healed when we obeyed Jesus' commands. We were healed when we obeyed. If I learned anything that day, I learned that you should always respond to God's goodness with obedience. Perhaps you heard of another leper. He was just like me. His name was Naaman. He had leprosy just like I did. Now, Naaman had been the captain of the armies of Syria. And he came to the prophet Elisha and he asked Elisha to heal him. Elisha did not even come to the door. To Naaman, that was a huge insult. Elisha didn't come to the door. He simply sent his servant to the door and said, tell Naaman to go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times. Well, Naaman was furious. He felt insulted. He felt angry. He said, aren't there better rivers in Syria? Why do I have to go down here to this muddy Jordan River and dip? But his servant began to talk to him. And he said to him, Naaman, if the prophet of God had told you to do some kind of elaborate thing, you would do it, right? 
why don't you try what he said? Why don't you obey his commands and see what God will do? And Naaman went down to the river, and he dipped one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. And the seventh time he came up, his skin was made new. He had the skin of a baby. He was healed when he obeyed. I wasn't the only one healed that day. All ten of us were healed. When I realized that I had been cleansed, this overwhelming sense of gratitude began to explode in my heart. You see, you don't know all that I had lost. You do not know all that this disease has cost me. And I look at my hands and I look at my skin and I look at my arms and I hear this sense of gratitude welled up within my heart. I didn't know how else to respond to God's goodness, but with thanksgiving. So I ran back to Jesus and I began to praise him with a loud voice. I threw myself at his feet and I began to thank him. Now I know that I'm not the only one who has been a recipient of the goodness of God. And I want you to know this, that it never goes out of style. When God has been good to you, to praise him with a loud voice. It never goes out of style when God has been so good to you, when he has delivered you, when he has brought you from death into life. It never goes out of style to fall at his feet and praise and worship and thank him for all that he has done. It'll always be okay to throw yourself before him and thank him for his goodness and his kindness. You know what I learned that day? I learned that I should respond to God's goodness with gratitude. Just a thankful heart. Well, in the middle of my dancing, in the middle of my celebrating, Jesus stopped me and he asked me this question. We're not all ten cured? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And listen to the words that he said to me. He looked me in the eye again. And he said, rise and go. Your faith has saved you. How should I respond to God's goodness? With faith. By coming to Jesus, I received something far greater than physical healing. I was also saved from my sins. My nine friends were declared clean by the priest, but I was declared saved by the Son of God. While it's wonderful to experience the miracle of physical healing, It's even more wonderful to experience the miracle of eternal salvation. The problem for many of us is we don't realize just how good God has been to us. I mean, who am I to expect anything from Jesus? I'm a foreigner. I'm a Samaritan. I'm a man who had a disease that began as a small speck on my skin. And it began to gradually spread over my body, causing terrible sores and swelling. Starting from the skin, the disease eats inward to the bones, rotting the whole body piecemeal. It began small. It spread gradually. It disfigured little by little. That sounds like something else. 
that plagues all of mankind. It starts small. You hardly notice it. It spreads slowly and gradually. It corrupts. It degrades. It defiles. It disfigures man's inner nature. What's run its course, he bears little resemblance to his original design. This defilement makes a man unfit to enter into the presence of a pure and holy God. Nine of my friends didn't get what God did for them. Sin was not a little pimple on my cheek. It was something that was going to utterly destroy me. It was something that was going to disfigure me from the inside out. When it was done, you couldn't even recognize. If it had continued on, it would disfigure me so much that you could not even recognize the person who I was created to be. But Jesus stopped. And he looked at me. And he healed me. And he saved me. How could I not? How could I not respond to him with gratitude? How could I not respond to him with obedience? How could I not respond to him with faith? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Now, as we come back to our present day here in 2011, did you notice that in Jesus' day, the majority of people who received blessings from the Lord failed to return in giving thanks? According to the scripture, all of them obeyed and all of them were healed, but only one came back and gave him thanks. Only one expressed his gratitude for all that Jesus had done. I wonder this. I wonder today if statistics are much different. If they had the researchers that we have today, a Barna report would go out saying that nine of ten people who received blessings from Christ failed to give thanks in the proper manner. Obviously, this ingratitude has been a common sin for centuries. Of the many that receive mercy from God, relatively few stop to come back and give thanks. How should we respond to God's goodness? What is the proper response to the goodness of God? What is the proper response for the healing that God has brought in your life? What is the proper response to the deliverance that God has brought in your life? What is the proper response to the wholeness that God has brought in your life? I believe that we should recognize his goodness and be part of the minority who return to giving praise. I think that we should be part of the 10%. I think we should be part of the 10% who don't get so caught up in after God blesses us and after God heals us and after God sets us free and after God saves us, that we get so caught up with the busyness of life and all that we have to do 
that we fail just to stop and sit at his feet and thank him. Can I tell you, it completely changed your perspective when you take the time to slow down and you think of what God did for you. Because each one of us were lepers. No, we didn't have a skin disease. We had something much worse. And it was eating you from the inside out. And it was spreading gradually. And if it was allowed to continue, you'd be unfit to be in the presence of a holy and just and pure God. If you allowed it to continue, it was eternally fatal. Not just fatal in this life. It was going to be eternally fatal to be forever separated from God. And when people saw you, just like the pictures that you saw projected on our screen, it didn't look like the same person. In the same way, without Christ, our lives, we would be so disfigured that people could not see the person who God created us to be. But you know what? One day, along a road, Jesus stopped and he looked in your eyes. And he didn't turn away from your ugly mess. He didn't turn away from your sin. He didn't turn away from what sin had done in your life. But he looked right at you. What should be our response to that? There should be a spirit of gratitude. Oh, that every day, it should develop. It should cultivate a spirit of gratitude in your life that is continually growing. That every day that you're reminded of what Jesus has done. Can you imagine that man whenever he was restored to his family? Can you imagine that man when he had the chance to be with his wife and children again? Can you imagine that man whenever fingers grew back, toes grew back, when the pain and the garbage, the sores that had weighed upon him for years? Can you imagine the transformation? In the same way, that's what God has done for you and I. May God produce within us a spirit of gratitude that cannot be satisfied and cannot stop. Father God, we thank you today for this for our time together. Lord, we recognize that without you, Lord, we are nothing. Uh, Lord, we were just like that leper. We were outcast. We were hopeless. We were without God. Uh, Lord, but I thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you didn't turn away. I thank you that you did not turn away. That you didn't say that the sacrifice of the cross was too much. But in your grace and your mercy, you stretched yourself out on that cross and bore the punishment for our sins. You took the stripes upon your back for our healing. Lord, how else can we respond to you but with a spirit of gratitude and joy and thankfulness? Lord, I pray that that would be something that's cultivated here at Lighthouse. In every person, whenever we're tempted to groan and complain about, I don't have this, or this isn't going exactly right. May you remind us that we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And if you've done that in our lives, Lord, won't you do whatever else is necessary to bring us to maturity and wholeness in you? 
Go with your people tonight, Lord. Let the blessings of the Lord and the favor of the Lord rest upon them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.